0: What would uh, that look on the United States? Okay, well, before
1: I answer that question, I want to point something out. And that is when we say solution, something that, that, that that word conjures in many people's minds is silver bullet. You know, how can we solve this thing okay. quickly and Are you saying there's no silver bullet, Steve? That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, there's a, there's a meme on Facebook that's been going around for a while, and I, I, I forget the exact wording, but it shows two... Why did we do this episode? Well, no, it shows, <laughs> it shows two lines of people. One is very, very short, and one is very, very long. And the long line is going up to a, a desk where a person is... It says, um, reassuring lies, or something like that. And the other one, which has like two people in front of it, says truth. hard truths. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so we're going to traffic today in hard truths.
0: Well, that's... that's... That's what we do here at the JBS. And and that's what's so hard about for a lot of activists is that we have never, ever presented a solution that is going to be an overnight solution or a silver bullet. We're like, okay, you know, uh, this is it. You know, uh, you do this and you call your representative and we do this and everything's fine. Uh, And that's clearly this is in line with that. So we have no silver bullet. We have a, a hard truth. Uh, And that that would require a withdrawal period that would be painful. Okay, well,
1: here's hard truth number one. Hard truth number one is no matter which road we choose, the outcome is going to be unpleasant. The question is which one will lead to more unpleasantry? So if we continue down the road to inflation which we've been doing for the better part of 100 years now. I mean, technically, it didn't start when the Federal Reserve was created. It really started in the 1930s when we, when we went off the gold standard, and it accelerated in the 1970s when Nixon closed the gold window. So, so it's not been, you know, but it's been quite a, several generations now that we've been pyramiding dollars and creating this massive, unjustifiably, you know, immense supply of dollars worldwide, you know, obviously the, the dollar is the world's reserve currency, so it's not just the United States. It's the entire rest of the world that depends on U.S. dollars, you know, for their, for, their, for their financial system. Okay, so we continue on the path we're on now. Sooner or later, and no one can say exactly when, it could be sooner if our illusion is punctured by some sort of black swan event like another pandemic or a world war or something like this. Or Often. An alien invasion. perhaps yes Uh, but anyway i I mean usually if you look at the history of hyperinflation um you know truly ruinous hyperinflation such as the you know germany experienced after the end of world war ii um or japan after world or after world war one excuse me in germany's case japan after world war ii and so forth you you see that oftentimes it's some really awful critical event argentina when i lived in argentina as a teenager from 79 to 80 they had merely high inflation the hyperinflation kicked in after they lost the Falklands War in yeah. 1982 and, the, and, and um, got rid of the military junta and tried to go back to a, a more or less democratic government. And their first president, Alfonsín, didn't know what to do. And within you know, a couple months, their inflation rate was at many thousands of percent. And everyone's savings was wiped out. That's what I'm talking about. So that will happen eventually to us. Now, because we have the world's reserve currency, we can get away with stuff that the Argentinas and the Zimbabwe's and the Sri Lankas of the world can't get away with, with their respective currencies.
0: Now, Namely, isn't that in jeopardy though, that status? Well, it is.
1: But my point is that, that those countries, when they start printing too much money, you know, the boom comes down pretty quickly. I mean, they mm-hmm. pay the price fairly quickly. So they have to to take heed. They have to. And, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, our Argentina's government has proved as profligate as our own. But we... Have this wonderful mechanism where we can export a lot, of the, a lot of this froth, this inflationary froth, to other countries and spread the misery around. Worldwide. They buy our debt, right? Oh, sure, sure. So, so we do enjoy a bit of a stopgap thanks to this, this, this you know, we, we, I mean, in this sense, the dollar seems to defy all of the rules of economics at times. And this is the reason. But that won't pers- last forever. I mean, right now, there's an effort. A foot among the likes of China and Russia and other countries, even Saudi Arabia. To move um, away. To move away from the dollar as the sole uh, default currency. And there are any number of other directions that events could change. But the bottom line is this. Sooner or later, we're going to reach what the Austrian economists call the crack-up boom. And when that happens, when all that those excess dollars come flooding home the United States because internationally confidence is lost in the dollar or for some reason like this, then we're going to experience hyperinflation and the complete destruction of our own economy. Uh, savings will be wiped out almost overnight, as happened in, 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 in Weimar, Germany, um, and uh, except it will happen on a much larger scale. And beyond that lies the abyss. We don't really know how Americans will respond. Okay? That's one possible consequence. And I would argue that is by far the worst outcome. And all we have to do to guarantee that outcome is to continue on the present
0: course. Okay. Do you have a, is there a timeline or a no? Range? There's no
1: people. People have been, you know. Uh, Peter Schiff has has been right and wrong. He's one of the he's one of the most prominent forecasters and mm. people that that understand this. You know, he correctly forecast the 2008 2009 implosion. Yeah. But then he kind of said, well, there's going to be something else within five to seven years. Well, it, it hasn't happened yet. And he's admitted since that, well, he got the timing wrong. It's, it's you know, economic it events are notoriously difficult to time.
0: Well, that's what I noticed because yeah. you had mentioned Semiholtz and, you know, you're, you gave me that book and I've read it. And, and he wrote that during the Carter years. Sure. And he's saying almost exactly what you're saying. Like this is if we continue this, this is where it's going. Well. It's been 50 years. It has been a long time and this is this is a
1: problem. Now of course we've had we've had events like the great recession that have, you know, punctured the illusion temporarily. And I would submit that you know the economy's never really returned to the pre, you know, to the go-go days of the 1980s and 1990s, which again I remember very well, you know, when the stock market seemed to defy gravity. Of course all that was inflationary as well. I mean because in good times when the economy yeah. when confidence is more or less maintained under an inflationary system, what happens is all that excess money pumps up the value of assets yeah. and, you know, investment grade assets and more or less stays there. And so the stocks and bonds and come on, everything goes up and everybody makes money. Even, you know, the, your ordinary, your taxi drivers buying stocks
0: and recommending ah, stocks. Yeah. And everybody's happy. Everyone's getting McMansions. Right. And-, and that's
1: all inflationary too. People tend to think that inflation is only when the price of eggs and meat starts, ri- or gasoline, you know, start rising at the pump. But that's what happens when, you know, when the system starts to break down.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And now... You know, I mean, we've only had one true hyperinflationary episode in the history of the United States so far, and that was okay. during and after the Revolutionary War, a time of great crisis yeah. when we were forced, the you know, the Continental Congress was forced to print money, true fiat money. Yeah, that they that great
0: Continental Bucks, right? Right,
1: to finance the war, and it pretty much bankrupted everybody. By the end of the war, everybody was in debt, uh, and Americans remained in debt. Most people were in debt until, you know, at least 1800 or thereabouts. It was They took a long time to pay things yeah. off. So what's the other possible solution? What's the other way? All right. So the first
0: one, let's reiterate, if if we continue to do what we're doing, all we have to do, it'll all collapse eventually. Going back to that, though, you had mentioned those rival countries that Mm. buy our debt. And I was just wondering, these are not nations that like us. What does it take for them to just stop buying our debt, stop acknowledging whatever that means, us as as the reserve currency? Is that a real prospect? Is that possible? Well, it's already starting in a, to a limited degree. I mean,
1: China and Russia, China's already begun purchasing uh, oil from Russia and paying with renminbi, with, with, with Chinese currency. Uh, the Chinese for some time have been agitating for making the Chinese yuan or renminbi yeah. another alternative you know, global reserve currency. The Europeans, our friends, our buddies in, in, in the EU, you know, so there, there there's some sentiment there that perhaps the euro uh, ought to be on an equal footing with the, with the dollar as well. Mm. So far, it hasn't happened. And primarily, I think it's because of systemic inertia. People are kind of happy with the way system works, more or less, uh, all the world's wealthy elite. Um, who are generally apolitical? I should point out this is this is a characteristic of people who are super rich and particularly finan- financiers and bankers. They tend not to get swept away by partisan politics or or, or, or or political tribalism. They just want to make money, and if money means you know accumulating U.S. dollars, they really don't care too mm. much. If the U.S. maybe is pursuing policies in the Middle East that they disagree with, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, because I guarantee you, all the, the wealthy Gulf Arabs and so forth—they all have their assets and dollars too. Yeah. And for the moment, they're all happy with it. What it would take for that to change? Again, it's it's impossible to forecast that. But as surely as we're sitting here having this conversation right now, it will come to pass someday. If we we are not immune from the same, you know, laws that have brought down the Argentinas and the Germanys
0: of the past. Okay. Wow. Okay. So now you were saying the, the less painful way and the way that will lead uh, to a brighter future, but nonetheless includes a dark valley is. Mm, okay. Well, the less painful way is we ourselves
1: put an end to the fiat money system. Now, if we did it overnight, the political, social, and economic dislocation would probably be so great it would probably provoke a revolution or something like that. So, So that's... Probably not <laughs> not the best the way. wisest course to follow. Now, right. right now, there's a chap down in Argentina who may well get elected next year. His name is Javier Milei, and uh, he is um, is basically he's a Rothbardian or an Austrian ec- economist, mm-hmm. and he's very he very much understands how the monetary system works. And he's been promising Argentines that he'll get rid of inflation, but he's saying if if, if we do this, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a year or two. And he points to a time back about 30 years ago when Argentina briefly managed entame, to name inflation. And that was preceded by a rather significant recessionary period. Okay. So that is going to be inevitable, just as uh, the addict who was taken off of, you know, denied his heroin fix or whatever for a period of time is going to suffer withdrawal symptoms. Okay. I mean, I mean the analogy is, it, it is somewhat trite, but it really is true. If he continues taking heroin, it's going to kill him eventually. Okay. Yeah. Every, every Every heroin addict, his brain knows that, okay, that this is going to, there's only one way that this addiction leads, okay? He's not going to end up being a 75-year-old heroin addict, okay? But on the other hand, every time he tries to quit, he realizes, wow, this is a painful course too, okay? So this is hard truth number two. We can't get out of this fix without paying a price, okay? Now, that price will probably also involve some sort of very significant, Economic and financial contraction uh, and a lot of dislocation a lot of chaos and of course the usual voices clamoring to You know to, to go it, back to the old it. ways and so forth and so on so it would require a, a Considerable amount of political and societal will that will only be begotten of an increased level of understanding Of the mess we're in and how we go about fixing it now the way we fix it in short is by reinstating some sort of a precious metal standard now, in practice, how do we do that and still somehow try to honor all of the commitments that are out we there? We can't.
0: We can't, can we? I don't know. That was going to be my next, my follow-up question. Is I don't like, know. We got a lot of goodies flowing around. A lot of programs and generations of Americans have gotten used to these. Uh, I don't know if they're new deals, if that's when they start or whatever. But now we've, there's not, there's no one alive. I well, think, I should who, think, who I should think that it could
1: be done over a period of, say, 10 years and something like that. You know, basically begin calling in, you know, federal debt uh, and, you know, ch- changing the structure of the debt uh, and this kind of thing. We have pl- a lot of gold. Yeah. And we can get a lot more. There's plenty of gold in the earth and, and you know, demand for gold and silver, Is that it would take... rise. What about but...
0: the, no changes to the economy? Do we need well, to there produce would be. more? That,
1: obviously, there would be. And, and you know, I mean, but, but, you know, to pass a law saying, okay, we're going to require banks to be full reserve. I mean, if you did it today, every bank in the country would go bankrupt overnight. So you, there you have to that. be some sort of a transition period. And frankly, it's beyond my pay grade to understand what that might be. But there are a lot of very smart economists yeah. who could probably figure out, well, you know, you might need a 10-year or 20-year tw- you know, period to phase that back in or something like that. It certainly wouldn't be an easy fix. And it might mean 10 or 20 lean years.